This episode of the Upper Discussion Podcast is brought to you in part by 22 humans running around and kicking some balls around. Football or soccer. However you want to call it, it is a game of skill, spirit, stamina, speed, and strength. Because, uh, because, um, you know what? I don't actually know a damn thing about the footy ball. I stole the skill, spirit, stamina, speed, strength thing from Bailey's 1994 World Cup soccer pinball machine. Why the fuck am I doing an ad about the World Cup again? How is that at all relevant to us? You don't even watch soccer! FIFA World Cup. Some people are just dated because their local sports team never qualifies for anything cool. Yes, come to see you. Welcome to episode 173 of Up for Discussion, an emotionally honest comedy podcast where we take your questions and dish out hot truths and tasty goofs. I'm Tom Zalatni. I'm Kate Bradley. I'm Eli Boussole. And uh, we've got a special guest Skyping in again this week. Uh, he is a self-published author, chaplain at the UC in Dublin, and host of the Graveyard Shift podcast, one of the most downloaded faith and spirituality podcasts in all of Ireland. Uh, <laughs> he's been on the show before. You guys might recognize his name. He is Scott Evans. What's up, guys? Nice to uh, talk to you. Nice to be back on the UpFord network. Indeed. Yeah, thanks for coming. Welcome. Really, really, uh, Welcome really stoked back. to have you back. Mm. Well, any chance to have conversations with Canadians, even you, Tom. <laughs> oh, <laughs> early shade in the top. <laughs> it's, a, it's an honor, absolutely. Start as you mean to continue, my father mm. always used to say. <laughs> nice. I was actually, I was just telling Kate and Eli before we started that uh, you're kind of like the person who made this network exist in a way uh, because <laughs> i'm so sorry because <laughs> i didn't like i didn't think at all about the idea of starting a podcast until you started a podcast and then i was like oh if scott can do this i could do this well thankfully the podcast is better than the beard you started an imitation yeah <laughs> oh, you guys didn't know me yet at this point but when scott and i knew each other uh it knew each other when scott and i met i had like a a significant <gasps> beard. Really? Um, it was bad and gross. <laughs> oh, has that has that been gone for a oh, while? Yeah. I always assumed that you're like still rocking the beard. No, right? it, it comes and goes. In the winter, it tends to thicken out a little bit, but the rest of the time, like, mm. you know, I, I never shave. That's understandable. I always just keep it at stubble at the least, but, yeah. you know. Uh, so you. Scott you? was the inspiration? For the beard? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, we used to joke that Scott's like me, but 10 years older and less attractive. <laughs> uh, no one made that joke except Tom. <laughs> you get, you, and it wasn't a joke. It was too real, man. Too real. You guys have such loving conversations, clearly. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is uh, this is uh, like 90% of our relationship. Yeah. yeah, just some gentle ribbing. Yeah. So, Scott, what's like uh, what's new with you, man? Uh, I'm married. Congrats. So, Congratulations. I um, was not married when we uh, when we started the when I was last on the podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, just finishing up year number one. Um, wow. uh, it's good so far. You're going to renew it We're for a second season? We're giving at least another year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We haven't given up on life or hope or on, on each other yet. So that's good. <laughs> that's real good. Um, no, I mean, to be honest, it's been great. We're... we're um, 
so yeah, it's been a really, really good year and um, we've loved, um, we, we moved in together around the same time that we, like when we got married basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was like a huge shift, like uh, kind of doing that kind of thing. Like, you know, just, you know, we were together for like seven years and then suddenly we were living together and we were married and this was like this massive adjustment. And yet like we took to it kind of like ducks to water. So, um, so it's been, yeah, it's been great. Yeah. So finishing off a, a good year. Um, I'm trying to think what else is new in my life. And that's the main thing. Mm-hmm. I did just run a chaplaincy conference, which is the biggest project I've ever run in my life. So I had 85 chaplains from 15, uh, from 15 countries come to Ireland um, for a week of like exploring what it means to be a chaplain. Um, and that was the most insane thing I've ever given myself to. But it was all amazing. So yeah, it was really good. And now I'm like absolutely exhausted and really looking forward to going to holidays tomorrow. Yeah, fair enough. What like what goes down at a chaplaincy conference? <laughs> um, it depends on the chaplaincy conference, I'm sure. Um, the these guys like I mean, chaplains tend to be like really relational people. Like we're not big on. We didn't go into chaplaincy because what we expected to do was like sit behind a desk all day and like you know crunch the numbers. You know, <laughs> like we're we're you know we drink a lot of coffee. We have a lot of really in depth conversations with people. But all of those conversations they really only happen if somebody trusts you. So you have to be part of the community in a way that people say, you know what, like I'm struggling and I feel like that would be a person worth talking to. And so it, it like it's basically like eighty five. People who are either extroverts or like deep conversationalists <laughs> um, hanging out together. Um, and so like conversations get really real, really quick. And uh, and yeah, so like, yeah, it's a really, really good bunch of people talking about all sorts of weird, wonderful things. And it was cool as well because it was like the most interfaith chaplaincy conference I'd been to. So we had, it wasn't just Christians from different denominations. There was also like a Muslim chaplain, a Buddhist chaplain and a humanist chaplain, which meant for some really like rich conversations, which was really cool. Sweet. Awesome. That sounds like mm-hmm. such a fun time. Like people who engage enthusiastically, but also listen to each other. That's wow. rare. <laughs> that's not something we encounter often. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's um. Uh, t- people tend to uh, like, we can often be like one or the other. Like, you know, you're either like, you know, that really great listener or somebody who's like gregarious and outgoing. Mm-hmm. Whereas you find uh, people who have at least usually one skill comes naturally to you and you have to learn the other Mm. but these are people who make a living doing both so amazing uh, yeah um yeah yeah, so yeah so it's good yeah it was really really good so that finished up about two weeks ago so i am so ready for tomorrow and the beach and uh watching the world cup (laughs) having a pint reading books it's gonna be amazing the beach man (laughs) we need the beach desperately over here in montreal (laughs) yeah no kidding (laughs) it's like have you ever been here in summer scott or has it always been winter no it's a, i i've i basically i think when i come to canada i'm like the white witch it's always <laughs> um, you're elsa um, yeah yeah basically yeah, yeah. Um, it's like so horrible. no i've only yeah i've never been i've never been to i've never even really been in canada during the summer mm. i got like three days of sunshine um the last time i was in montreal and then had to go home right. yeah for back to ireland's rain yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's a good time yeah it's been like very hot and humid here the past few weeks yeah. but mm-hmm. today is not bad today is like yeah light cool is, yeah do you guys prefer the winter or do you prefer summer like oh. do you like or do you Neither? just like complaining about both i like fall <laughs> yeah fall fall and spring <laughs> all the way yeah but does montreal have a spring though like it it's kind of I, I, it's kind of winter but it smells more like dog poop yes right yeah. right yeah, like so like like the bodies and the dog poop are being like found in the snow <laughs> yes. And, yes 
Um, and the, the you know things are gradually melting and then suddenly everybody's complaining about sunburn like it seemed like a really radically quick transition when i was in Montreal. yeah yeah, yeah for sure it's pretty gross and brutal mm. yeah i just get stories mm. most of my family lives in england and uh they send me lovely pictures of fields of bluebells and daffodils oh. and all this like <laughs> lovely spring stuff and we don't we don't get that yeah no no i don't i, I can't imagine that you mm. would um yeah well in Ireland we kind of like spring seems to go on forever like and you're always wondering like is it gonna come like are we gonna get a summer this year there's no joke in Ireland that like this year summer's on a weekend (laughs) um uh but like I'm looking out my window now and actually for the chaplaincy conference two weeks ago like the sun was splitting the stones for the whole two weeks but there was a really nice like refreshing wind and like at the moment it's been kind of cool but it's been warm but breezy all day kind of Uh and I live down by the sea here so like we I was like down at a coffee shop right opposite the seafront and uh now I'm looking out my window at the mountains and the yeah it's a it's it's a nice place. I'll be honest yeah. with you. I'll be honest. Uh, it's a uh, it, it, you know, there is nowhere more beautiful than Ireland in summer. Uh, but it, like something about Irish, I always found myself warmer in Montreal because in Montreal you gotta like commit to being warm. You gotta fight for <laughs> yeah. it. Whereas like in Ireland they were like this house will do. Whereas like in Montreal people are like no, this needs to be up to a certain code. Otherwise everyone in it will die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whereas in, in Ireland they were like look, it te- it's technically sheltered. This will be fine. <laughs> Um, and so all our houses are so incredibly cold. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I figured out how to live well as a result of Montreal. <laughs> nice. I'm glad we could help. Perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm curious because you're saying you're going on vacation now, and just um, you sure. know how this this will connect. Trust me. Uh, you know how people who don't like cats, cats tend to gravitate towards them. Like mm-hmm. you you put off a certain yeah. energy. So as a as a chaplain. Mm-hmm. You have you you have this energy of understanding and 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 respect and and openness. Do you think that on your vacation you're likely to end up in like chaplain mm. situations just because of the vibe you give off? It's hard to know like which one's the chicken and which one's the mm-hmm. egg here. Like because like I think part of my like gravitating towards a chaplaincy role is as a result of like who I am naturally. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's like the chaplaincy deal. But yeah, like I mean, I, I like I regularly find myself being late for things because of the conversations <laughs> I'm in with strangers. Yeah. Um and uh, but like but I love that like the world is such a it's just such a fascinating and open place where like you have these incredible opportunities to just like you know like just meet somebody and find out a little bit about their story and just get into like but mostly it's like surface level stuff of just making people feel safe and comfortable around Mm -hmm. me rather than like deep diving into whatever it is they're currently struggling with because most people's boundaries are kind of like oh well you're you're we have a word in Ireland called sound, um, uh, where I know you have the word as well, but I don't think you use it in the same way. Um, if somebody's sound, you kind of consider them like kind of, um, it's a positive word, like that person's sound. Like it's not like about they're cool. It's more like they're affable and trustworthy kind of mm-hmm. thing, um, and like kind of solid. That like that person is sound, um, and that I think is is the vibe. I hope I would give off to people where they wouldn't like jump into like a deep dive conversation on their lives but they might be like you know in a pinch that's somebody i could talk to right and, and so i hope that that's how it would come across mm-hmm. yeah like you would create pom- convers- possibility for follow-up rather than going like full dr phil on someone in the <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like like you want to you want you want to like make the road open for people but you don't want to like if you don't feel like you've steamrolled or manipulated them it's just saying them something about themselves that they don't want to so right it's all about mm-hmm. finding that balance i think yeah. yeah i think it's a good boundary I've, to be able but to yeah well, i i would d- 
I would definitely like my wife would definitely be annoyed at me. On She's like, Why are you talking to that person? You're here with me. Can you stop talking to strangers for a second? Yeah. 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 Tell tell her that we say thanks for letting us have you for a bit today, right before you leave. Where are we? I was only able to do this because she's at the cinema right now. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, what's she seeing? Hey, so uh, she's seeing Jurassic, whatever it is oh, this time. Yeah. Fallen yeah. Kingdom. Mm-hmm. I was like, babe, I want to talk to a friend and two strangers on the internet. She's like, that's fine. I'm like, <laughs> I'll go hang out with some dinosaurs who are inaccurately represented yeah, yeah. without their feathers. <laughs> I saw the best review of that film yesterday where somebody was just like, we just went and saw the new Jurassic whatever movie. Um, uh, what was it they said? They said, it's fine. Uh, I'd really only recommend it if you really like dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. Like, like it's just good CGI. If you love the design, the dinosaurs, you'll love this. But otherwise, no. if you like plot and characters, nah, not great. Yeah, yeah. I read an article about how terrible the plot and character were. Like, no character has a proper motivation and all that kind of stuff. Wow. But at least you get some muscly Chris Pratt for a couple hours, which is all anyone can really ask for. Yes. Yeah, that's true. That's I true. Agree. I was just before I came on, I was watching a rap battle between. Uh, Seth Rogen and Joseph Gordon-Levitt where Joseph Ooh. Gordon-Levitt said the only reason Seth Rogen gets work is because Chris Pratt got in shape. <laughs> Eat healthy. Exercise regularly. Take cold showers. Avoid sugar. Practice yoga. Drink more water. Meditate. Practice mindfulness. Wear barefoot shoes. Avoid fat. Eat more fat. Go vegan. Try paleo. Do CrossFit. Drink bone broth. Try black P90X. Try a 30 squats a day. Eat more day squats. Keto strongly good. Get more protein. Get more protein. Avoid the dirty dozen. Try a bar Drink Take an iron. Wake up early. Staying healthy can feel overwhelming at times. Sometimes it feels like you have to change all your habits just to meet the baseline. But sometimes, all it takes is one little change. Ether Kombucha contains four powerful probiotic strains along with essential vitamins and antioxidants, all in a delicious, refreshing package which helps regulate digestion, support the immune system, and aid in the body's natural detox processes. Living healthier can be a treat with Ether Kombucha. Ether Kombucha. Do what works for you. For more information, follow us on Instagram at Ether Kombucha. All right. Well, how about we take a little trip to the cash corner? This is the part of our show where we usually talk about Patreon, where you can pledge a monthly donation to help keep the show going. But right now, we're in the middle of a huge fundraising campaign for the Upford Network. We need to raise $10,000 this summer to pay for the construction of a sound booth in our studio. At the time of recording, we're about a quarter of the way to our goal, which is great, but there's still a lot of work to be done. There's a bunch of really cool perks up for grabs, including guest spots on the show, laptop stickers, and more. Click the campaign link in the description of this episode to donate. And of course, we're still accepting donations through Patreon as well, if you're looking for something more regular. If you pledge as little as a dollar a month to us at patreon.com slash up for discussion, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendallin, Candice, Carlea, Thomas, George Poppy, Alex from Play the Mind, Jan, Gillian, Killian, Angie, Sarah Angelica, and Anne. And if you give at least $5 a month, you get to tell us what to talk about once per cycle on the show. Eli, do you want to tell them where the first Patreon topic comes from? Sure. The, our first questions, uh, question comes from Candice, who asks, what's an embarrassing secret you've never told anyone? Ooh. Uh, embarrassing secrets. Scott, are you vaping right now? Yeah, I may have had my uh, oh. microphone on mute purely just so that I could be vaping. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to come across really loud in the recording. How did you know? Oh, you can hear it on Skype. Okay. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I was like, wow, he, he really breathes deep. 
<laughs> Sorry, that's not in the recording. But I'm so glad our listeners got to experience it. <laughs> I forgot. That's your embarrassing secret, right? <laughs> I don't think it's much of a secret. It doesn't exactly leave no evidence. Like mm. it's like you know, they, these are some big clouds. <laughs> like I take I take this vape game very seriously. Oh, are you one of those who modify the vape to make a bigger cloud? <laughs> no, I like no. Like in terms of building your own coils and stuff like that, that stuff just either it looks complicated and dangerous. Oh, but you've we looked into it. You just talked about coils. You do, you've looked into this. Oh, honestly, like I don't know what part of it is, if it, it, part, what part of me it is that loves this so much. But like the vaping community has to fight so hard to push back against tobacco lobbyists oh, yeah. that they have had to like create all these ways to figure out how to get in line with constant new legislation. Mm. But one of my favorite things about vape shops is that they just have like couches in them. And like the other day, I was in there for two hours holding court on a referendum that was happening in Ireland with like a bunch of people I'd never met before. Wow. We're just having this great political debate while people were like buying vape care. It was great. Yeah, I just love the community around it. Awesome. Yeah, Beautiful. fair enough. Mm. I guess you can find deep, yeah. meaningful relationships anywhere, right? For sure. Yeah. Uh, well, but vape relationships uh, yeah, or are the y- best. <laughs> vape relationships. <laughs> <laughs> vape. They're- <laughs> yeah i don't there's all sorts of puns there but the, the there's there's some word there's some words that could be formed from some of those syllables that make me really uncomfortable <laughs> to make me step away from vape and relationship mergers <laughs> but at the same time when you vape you breathe in deeply right so that gives your you, mm-hmm. like your your mind a time to calm down a little bit the conversations yeah. are probably more you know yeah. Well, welcoming and stuff because you're not just and uh, you breathe each other's flavors. Ew! So embarrassing, embarrassing secrets, embarrassing guys. Secrets that we've yeah that, that we've never told everyone is problematic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Partially because if I did have something I had never told everyone, anyone, I would really have a reason for that. Yes. Yeah. But I do feel like most of my life is telling embarrassing stories. Like, I think if you want to build community, you have to have a place of vulnerability and authenticity mm-hmm, that allows you to be like, I am going to tell you like deep stuff about myself mm-hmm. that um, I, uh, you know, that is hard for me to say either because it's painful or because it's embarrassing or because it's humiliating. Um, and like, but in doing so, you're like permission giving to somebody else to say like, you, like you can be fully real in this space. Mm-hmm. And it only happens when somebody is brave enough to go first. Um, so I know for me personally, I, I like I I was racking my brains when you guys sent me this question because I was like, I don't know how to answer this one because I don't have anything that I've never told mm-hmm. anyone. But I'm very happy to tell talk about all sorts of embarrassing things that I've told mm-hmm. loads of people. Right. <laughs> um, but what about you guys? Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah, I had, I had the same thought about it. It was like the deep, dark secrets that I don't want to tell anybody. I don't want to share on a podcast. So um, <laughs> I don't I don't have it. But I, I have definitely experienced that of like sharing something that's happened to me that's super stupid. I mean, that's empathy, right? That you're you're yeah. you're sharing mm-hmm. what happened to you. And then the other person is like, oh, I'm not the only idiot <laughs> on this planet. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I think a thing for me, like thinking about this, there's nothing... Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, if if I had a deep secret that I didn't want to tell anyone, I wouldn't tell it. Um, but I don't really like the, the thing that that this makes me think about more is like things that are embarrassing that I don't really talk about, but that I'm willing to talk yeah, about. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and that just kind of mm-hmm. makes me think about like, OK, what are some things that I used to do so that I would feel cooler and have never admitted to doing? Oh, um, OK. <laughs> and, and one like sort of shallow one is that like I used to like 
pretend to have an accent when I would go places. Whoa. Like I would, I, when I, this is when I was like 13, 14 and really? first like out in the world in any way. Like if I would go to the store to buy something or, if, you know, on the way to a place, like if I was talking to someone at a bus stop or like if my mom called me while I was walking somewhere, I would always put on a fake accent while what, I was like walking. Oh, it didn't matter. Anything. It, you, I mean, usually one of the white ones, just because, yeah. Or like, the white ones, yeah. Like, I would be, like, a southern guy, or I would, you know, be British for a little while. Or, like, I, I would just put on some kind of, like, lilt in my voice to, like, That's change really things fun. a little. And what just was so your that, intention? It was just in case anyone was walking by who would hear that and then think I was more interesting as a result. So oh. exotic. It was it was really just because I thought, like, I am a boring person and I need to seem more interesting to these strangers <laughs> I'm never going to talk to in my life. Whoa. Yeah. Did it ever lead to any interesting conversations where you had to hang on to the no, accent? No, of no. course not. Uh, it frequently led to my mom, like, mimicking the accent back at me and us just <laughs> having phone, a fun right? conversation on the phone for a while, um, which is, you know, nice, but... No, it never actually led to anything significant. And it's kind of embarrassing to admit, but like, you know, yeah, sometimes we do things to feel more comfortable in the world, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I was overly generous as a kid because I just, that was my way of getting people to like me. And at one, one time, you know, the usual little boys running after little girls in a park and screaming and everything. And I was holding popsicles. So I stopped in my, in, in my tracks and I turned around and I offered a popsicle to, to the little boy I had a crush on. He smacked the popsicles out of my hand punched me on the shoulder what? and continued running after the wow. other girls. Oh my god. Yes. Rejected. Rejected. <laughs> That's savage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's fair to say that that little boy did not like he did not meh you. Like he had some strong yeah, that's true. about your offer of a popsicle. <laughs> he wasn't like, I'm indifferent to your advances. He was like, I am violently against yeah. them. Yeah. Or maybe he just hates popsicles. Let's be fair. That's true. And then punched me to express that even further. Uh, yeah, never mind. <laughs> I had a similar story, but there was a girl uh, offering me an Oreo cookie. And it was my very first Oreo cookie. And Ooh. before that, I've never tried it. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to have some. And I... I didn't like it at all. And I just like, I sped it out. And she got so offended. And she's like, you don't throw away food. How dare you? And she walked away. And, but now I love Oreos. (laughs) I I don't know what was about the first one that was just too much. Oreos can be overwhelming. (laughs) (laughs) Like there's a lot going on there. Like the texture is really, yeah, I get it. I'm, I'm really hoping that the title of this show is Oreos Can Be Overwhelming, <laughs> featuring special guests. Uh, it is now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow, it's such a such a strong reaction to a popsicle and an Oreo there <laughs> on both sides. Yeah. Like that's there's a, it feels like everyone had a lot going on in them at yeah, that point. Yeah, a lot of baggage. Yeah, associated with mm. those actions. Yeah. Oh man! Like I mean, some of some of my stories from like my teenage years growing up. Like I mean, they are just horrific. Oh. And like they, like uh, like I mean, I once sang an a cappella version of "Blaze of Glory" by Bon Jovi <laughs> at a talent show when I was in sixth grade um, on a field trip to India because I grew up in Bangladesh. <laughs> And it led to my first ever fight when somebody made fun of me and I punched him in the face. Whoa! Um, but that was such a like 
on looking back on it like I did it like this was publicly like in front of people and I had no microphone so I sang into a hairbrush um and you like and for context you probably have to imagine me with like a really long blonde mullet which would have been completely fine if you were following Bon Jovi from concert to concert in 1986 but this was Man. 1996 and it was a completely different world yeah it was yeah I mean looking back on that particular time that yeah what do you think do what, what do you think this person is thinking about you right now the one he punched yeah I doubt he even remembers <laughs> <laughs> my name to be honest it wasn't it wasn't a solid connection and uh i kind of i kind of glanced off his face and then we ended up wrestling uh and then the other friends who just thought it was hilarious that these two weaklings were fighting <laughs> pulled us apart without any particular difficulty yeah it was uh it was yeah it was, and, uh, and then oh, you brushed even the fight afterwards was embarrassing <laughs> oh god but i mean you say embarrassing but Clearly, you had a love of that song, right? You wouldn't have done it if you didn't love it. And you wouldn't have punched that guy if it wasn't important to you. Yeah. I think I probably would have sung Living on a Prayer, but I wasn't sure I could carry uh, that right. without without instrumentation. Mm. What I did come to learn is that I couldn't carry Blaze of Glory. <laughs> um <laughs> um and, and it was funny because I'm not, I'm not a violent person at all. And so, like... I think I think actually the punch came from like this was coming at the climax of like all the this this person was actually kind of like slipping into a really important set of friendships like so he was escalating his way he was ascending very quickly through our relationships mm-hmm. um and I probably felt like he was usurping mm, me yeah. and he was usurping me in the worst place, which was third where you were like the spare wheel with two best friends. Mm. And I was like, listen, man, I'm hanging on by a thread here. You can't be stealing this place. And then, um, uh, yeah. yeah. And then the punch came out such a rare thing. So unusual I, for me, yeah. but I, but yeah, as you say, Kate, I must've been feeling something pretty. Yeah. Pretty I, I get that. Like you get so vulnerable and you're like fight or fight or flight. Response. Yeah, absolutely. And mm. yeah, it's yeah. just, it's mm. like you're like, oh, how can I pull my pull myself out of the situation? I, just, I, I guess I'm just going to punch him in the face. <laughs> That's and it. Yeah. I didn't use my fist. I just lied. Whenever I got called out on something, oh. I would lie. I lied a lot <laughs> as a kid, as a teenager, uh, out, of sh- out of shame sometimes, out of like uh, refusal to admit that I'd made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um you know, mm-hmm. the simplest things, like I worked at a, a smoothie shop in, a, in a, a famous player's a cinema, and uh, it was just a question of, like, uh, she had said, I said she said blueberry pineapple, but then she said, no, she said blueberry banana. And I'm, like, just saying to my boss, no, she said blueberry pineapple. <laughs> you know, like, just I can't accept <laughs> that I made a mistake and right. move on. I've learned from that, and mm. now I don't do that anymore. That's probably good. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I actually had a similar fight situation happen probably around the same age i think probably seventh grade um we were on this like winter camping trip with uh with my class and there was this guy i still remember his name he was ryan something i don't remember his full name um but uh he was like a nice guy you know honestly like in retrospect he was he was a totally decent dude um but i remembered thinking that he was trying to like steal my best friend away from me um and like and at one point we're, we're on this trip and a bunch of us are sitting around in a circle and he makes some crack about like the girl that I had a crush on and I just like socked him in the face <gasps> right then and there. And then he punched me back and then we both just kind of sat there and we're like, well, all right. Um, and like, and 
you know, then there was kind of not much drama beyond that. But I was actually, I've been like, I've been sending the campaign link for our Indiegogo campaign to like <laughs> everybody on my Facebook friend list. And I ended up, I've been clicking through, you know, all these random people who I haven't spoken to, some of them in like 10 years. Um, which is shocking because I sometimes forget Facebook's been around that long. Yeah. And I get to this guy and I click on him and the the only <laughs> message in our like chat history is him like sending me a message probably that night just being like, yeah, fuck you. Like, I hope you, <laughs> like, I hope you oh, die alone. No. Like, <laughs> and oh I was my like, God. oh, and then I just sent That's... him the campaign link. And oh, was you like, did? Hey, do you want to maybe make a donation? <laughs> <laughs> And I had forgotten. Hey, hey Ryan, it's time to finally make <laughs> yeah. amends. Yeah, oh, and wow. I'd, I'd forgotten about that story until I saw that message and was like, "Why did Ryan hate me so much in 2007?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! There's like something about those fights that, like, once they happen, it's like the tension's released. Yeah. Like I had a guy pulled my pull my pants when I was like 16 in school, and I felt vulnerable and I didn't know yeah. what else to do, so I pulled his head down and pu- punched him in the head. And he like he didn't see me as as like this violent guy, so he was so shocked. And uh, unfortunately for me, he did MMA. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! So he kind of like tilt my head up, disorient me, and then punch me in the face, like in the mm-hmm. mouth. And I fainted. I dropped on the floor <gasps> like a like a turd. Oh no! It's <laughs> just like bam. <laughs> and and then he felt so bad. It just like it was like I, I went home. I had like a little blue like on my mouth, and it was like I felt like a like a warrior yeah <laughs> Jeez. but after that he, he kind of like we it's like he respected me after that even though i took a really hard punch right god yeah i think the first time that you like accidentally really hurt someone is a really important moment in high school because <laughs> like because that's when you realize like oh shit my actions have consequences yep. like i can't just like get into yeah. fights all the time like yeah yeah I uh, accidentally oh. kicked a friend in the balls when I was in like fourth grade or oh, something. Accidentally, he, he no, well, he pushed me to the ground. So as I I fell to the ground and then just spiraled back with a kick. Oh no! And hit him right in the balls. <laughs> and then he did the like no and fell down. And then I just ran. I just ran. <laughs> And I kept running, and then I just kept trying to avoid him as much as possible. And here you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> running to this day. And then uh, a couple days later, uh, he found me, and he slammed me into a fence. But, oh. you know. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like violence between boys and girls at a certain age, because neither of you are particularly strong. Mm-hmm. So it's just like a lot of shoving. And yeah. there's not that like awareness mm. that like you shouldn't hit girls necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's just like I'm reacting. You're right. in front of me. I'm pissed off. I'm going to react. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. One of the things that's like dramatically kind of jarring in those moments is when you, you know, whether you take a swing at somebody or you step into a fight or something like that and it's your first time doing it, you it's not like it's the the first time you've ever seen it. Like you've seen it on TV, mm-hmm, you've mm-hmm, seen it mm-hmm. in all these different ways. And the 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 reality of it is yeah. so radically different from what your perception of the reality of it will be. Mm-hmm. Like you're like, I'm gonna leave this as a hero. It's like then why am I feeling ashamed? Yeah. You know, like they like you know, like when you expect to have this rush of success mm-hmm. and instead you feel this rush of shame. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I, I think like so often we just don't know what to do with that. And so we just like we can we can so easily spiral um as a result of it. And we also like don't uh, especially at that age, we don't have the words to process those things. Like we can't put words like I'm to, like to those emotions like I'm putting to them now mm. and so what like what they do to us internally is like a fascinating like eroding away of like our inner sense of self like just from this rite of passage mm-hmm. it's it's a 
it's amazing even talking about it now like even the ways in which we remember it um uh, are probably different from the ways in which it happened mm. like in terms of how, how, because we see it through the lens of what it's done in us right Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to get all real. No, I think we were all just like <laughs> jaws open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. I'm Julian McKenzie, co-host of the Scrum Podcast, a sports show I'm doing with my podcasting partner in crime, Tristan Damore, on the UpFord Network. Every week, we analyze something different from the Canadian sports media landscape. Lack of diversity, getting a job in the field, coverage of different sports, and answering some of the harder questions. Through a combination of back-and-forth discussion and high-profile guest interviews, we're aiming to figure out exactly what's up in the world of sports. Find us wherever podcasts are sold. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, Message in a Bottle, Morse Code, Telegram, Singing Telegram, Target, Walgreens, Bird's Nest, Dad's Shed, uh, and a crowded convention center bathroom. Oh, hi. Do you ever wonder if picking your own name for Secret Santa and then buying yourself a gift makes you a sociopath? Or if everything is everything, then how much of everything is there? Or what exactly a Moguana is? Well, <laughs> that one's just a way of saying more iguana. Or maybe you wonder what the death of a friendship over the course of 50 episodes sounds like. Whatever your questions, you can find the answers and also more questions on Lasers on the Ride podcast. Now a member of the Upford Network. Available wherever you usually get your podcast. Uh, today's Indiegogo question comes from Kyla Don Sador, who asks... How do you talk to people who have very different views for, than you? For example, someone who hates having to learn French in Canada talking to someone bilingual. Or, for example, someone with no intention to get married or have kids talking to someone who married very young and has kids, assuming they are from the same generation. Interesting question. Yes. Yeah. Well, Scott, you just got back from a chaplaincy conference with 85 other chaplains. Surely you've got some input on this one. <laughs> Yeah, I also find as well that like we we just had a huge referendum in Ireland um, uh, on the question that we had the Eighth Amendment in the Irish Constitution um, gives the uh, same right to life um, of uh, to the unborn as to the mother, mm-hmm. um, which has meant that um, uh, that essentially it was enshrined in our constitution that life begins at conception, and that and therefore abortion is illegal on those grounds, mm-hmm. even. Uh, it was recently clarified that in cases where that abortion was possible in um, cases where the life of the mother was in danger. But the but we had recently had a referendum to essentially repeal this um, amendment to our constitution. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, and um, uh, and that was like and that was like that has really dominated the conversational landscape mm. in uh, in the university. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think is is. Um, I'm not really, I'm not really, I, 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 over the last year, I haven't been public with my views on this because I see my, I think as a chaplain, your role isn't necessarily to point towards one view, but rather to like take a more mm-hmm. rabbinical approach in terms of questioning the views of others in a way that leads them to greater understanding both of their own position and of, um, uh, and of the position that they're often arguing against. And so it's like playing devil's Mm -hmm. advocate, but without, but because you're not actually trying to force them to some sort of conclusion or, or, um, uh, or like eureka moment, you're, um, you, you, and you're, and you're not, trying to get them to adopt your position you're trying to get them to question and learn about their own Mm -hmm. um the one of the one of the big things that i find is like being able to step back from 
the ways in which your identity is connected to the way in which you live your life. Mm -hmm. So the, the more important it is for your, the more insecure you are about your identity and your choices, the harder you will find it to listen to somebody else thriving, doing something that you wouldn't have chosen to do. To do. Yeah. And so I think our starting point is to be able to say like, this person is living however it is that they're living. And even if I would have made every single decision in their life differently from what they, what they're, they're, they're standing here in front of me and they like me will find that there are areas of wholeness and beauty in their lives. And there are areas of incompleteness and struggle. And so listening and truly hearing them is the only way is the way in which my life becomes richer as a result, even if I completely disagree. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think the context for conversation is so important as well. Like, I don't know how, authentically you can have those conversations if they're not built on genuine loving relationship like it's very difficult to have that conversation yeah. with a stranger uh, and to truly go deeply to go deep with it but um, a big part of my life feels like facilitating those kind of conversations with people to help them understand the perspective of the other even if i disagree with them or the other and um, my job is not to um uh is not to enforce ideology my job is to help people have a well-rounded a better rounded understanding of their own ideology and other people's mm -hmm. <laughs> That's really interesting to uh, not divide the person from the opinion. Like exactly. it's, it, they are one thing. I had a lot of trouble mm. with my uh, brother uh, last summer because he has some views that I really, really don't agree with. Um, and I don't see him a lot. He's lived in England for a long time now. And uh, so we don't have, like you were saying, like that, that strong relationship. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of our past as kids was like a lot of... Uh, not fun uh, aggression stuff so like we don't get along that well mm -hmm. um so his views would just make me angry because mm -hmm. one i didn't do, i didn't agree with it right. on on the basis of the opinion and then i feel like it was also fueled with the frustrations i have towards my brother in general okay. and sure. he was discussing these things with my father over the summer and I would just stay, I was pacing in another room. I was, I, I didn't want to leave the conversation. I wanted to hear what he was saying because it was so outrageous to me, but I was just pacing and pacing. And then he had another conversation with my uh, husband and that was uh, about uh, uh, the pay gap with uh, women. And, and for that one, I did the same thing. I was just like, no, I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to get involved. And then at one point he said something that, that shocked me so much that I literally just ran into the room and started yelling at him. Oh. It was the most stupid and like emotion fueled way. And, and like, I wasn't, I wasn't debating with him. I wasn't presenting my views. I wasn't expressing my opinions. I was just like waving my hands in the air and yelling because I was just so upset with his well, views. What's fascinating, what's fascinating about that is, is like the difference between your experiences there, because for you, you were like, this is this gradual ascendancy, like from fidgety to agitated to exploding. Yeah, yeah. Whereas he's like, I think I just stepped on a landmine <laughs> and a sister jumped into the room and exploded at yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he he looked. He just looked shocked. Like his right. eyes were, just, and 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 rightly so. I did not behave in a normal, like, productive way. And then I felt so upset with myself because I was like, "You just made him feel more solid in his views because mm -hmm. of how you approached it." You yeah. know, so seeing it more mm -hmm. as like, this is not just about the opinion itself. It's about who the person is and how how what what they live to get to that point. Mm -hmm. It makes so much yeah. sense to me to like cool down the rage that you feel about the opinion and take it more exactly. on a on the basis of what's being said and who's saying it. Yeah, I feel like going Absolutely. into a debate, you have to keep in mind that disagreeing doesn't mean conflict. Like we're gonna mm -hmm. have our different opinions, yeah. but that doesn't mean that I'm gonna like uh, force my 
my views on you or are you going to force your views on mine? It's just like, it's like this debate and you establish common grounds and mm -hmm. start with common grounds and say like, I think this, I think this, and this is where we disagree. And in these situations, it's often uh, like we have huge egos sometimes, like mm -hmm. uh, defending opinions and we're going to be like, I think it's true no matter what you're going to say. So it's tough to let go of that opinion, but mm -hmm. you can always listen and see where this person is coming from mm -hmm. and just understand them. You don't have to agree. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's, it's yeah. tricky. because like with some stuff, I agree with that with some stuff, right. Where mm -hmm. if it's things that aren't like dangerous, right. Yeah. But I feel like sometimes you are having conversations with people and they're like, I believe this thing that is dangerous is, is totally fine. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when we talk about gun control, right. Mm -hmm. Like, <clears throat> To me, it seems like the only like rational thing would be to have stricter gun control laws in the U.S. But like, if you talk to somebody who disagrees with that, like, they they thoroughly disagree with that, right? Yeah. And and mm -hmm. it's really hard in those situations to see the other person's point of view when you believe firmly that the other person's point of view is leading to people getting killed. Right. right. Yeah. Like yeah. it it can be really difficult. Yeah. You know, it's when it's something. So, so, you know, if we look at like gay marriage, for instance, right, like the blessing of same sex mm -hmm. union in churches is something that churches have disagreed on for centuries and will probably continue to disagree on for centuries because that's, you know, just how that goes. And mm -hmm. people will always be wrong about stuff. Um, conservative churches. Uh, but like, <laughs> like, that's not something not not to throw your bias too. <laughs> not, not at all. Um, but to, you know, that's not a life or death thing, right? That's a thing that like sucks a lot for people who are on the wrong end of it mm -hmm. like you know if you want to get married in your church and can't because your church is kind of backwards like that really sucks mm -hmm. but you're not going to die because of it as opposed mm -hmm. to like gun control where like having a disagreement about that like yeah people are literally dying because of this like it's well i, I, I see yeah. what you're saying but there's also well, sorry scott you want to no no you go to town there <laughs> <laughs> case or casey say it however sorry, you want man Casey's. that accent just hit me right in the face <laughs> i was like what um i i understand what you're saying but also the the fact like say you're discussing gun control with somebody mm -hmm. else there it is definitely a topic that relates to people being murdered lives being lost but the two people discussing it um if they they may have personal experience but like the danger isn't imminent mm. you know like so so the opinion is sort of stated on a level that isn't actually affecting anything it's just mm -hmm. discussion mm -hmm. uh so i think that like you can maintain a strong opinion about something that that is dangerous or that does affect people's lives very very directly but if you haven't experienced it directly then you're you can just talk about it and be angry about it or, or mm. just have this like really solid view. And I think that's yeah. one of the main problems is that so many people express these really, really solid opinions on things without having mm. like any influence on their lives or personal direct influence or, or even mm. talk to someone mm -hmm. whose, whose life has been affected by something. Yeah. So it's a, it's a touchy, yeah. touchy thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that's, yeah. that's true. Right. Cause like a lot of, I think I am forgetting that most of the intense arguments I have with people about like big issues are just like on Twitter or on Facebook threads where like Oof, it's yeah. not, you know, I'm not talking to people who are affecting change and I'm not mm -hmm. talking to people who are necessarily even affected by it, like mm -hmm. you're saying. Uh, and I'm not talking to people who like I care about in any way, shape or form. Right. It's really just sort of like your opinion is wrong and let me tell you why. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, I think it's yeah. we need to be able to have those conversations productively with the people we care about. Um, 
even if we can't have them productively with like people on the internet. Yeah. 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 One of the challenges that we face, just going back to what you say about things being a life or death issue, um, Tom, is um, is uh, my, my friends who are leaders within the LGBTQ plus community would argue that actually this is a matter of life and death mm-hmm. because um, it connects to systemic um, contributors to shame that lead to exclusion, uh, lack of community that potentially lead to like suicidal mm-hmm. ideation mm-hmm. Um, and that erode the dignity of the human being. Um, and that is where like we, we live in interconnected systems that have evolved over time. Um, and the worst, the thing that pr- most that most perpetuates systemic injustice is echo chambers mm. that don't allow for relationships with the other and with other voices. Um, and in the same way that any person that you're talking to, um, whatever dis- position they hold that you don't agree with, they did not come to that in the last hour, in the last hour, and their opinion will not be changed in the next mm-hmm. hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think is one of the things that's really really important for for understanding change is that it's very rare. I mean, you occasionally see people's views being changed on the internet. But mostly the result of confirmation bias is that they only end up reaffirming what they already came into it believing, um, both me and the person I'm arguing with. So the one of the things that I think is, like if we, if we truly want to see change in people and in, in systems and in communities over time, it actually means dedicating our lives to relationships with people that we fundamentally disagree with. Because it's only after, like... It's only after potentially years of friendship that you get to the point where things can actually be deconstructed to the point of things changing. Um, and I think people don't want to hear that because they don't want to they don't want to know that the road to change is so messy <laughs> and is so and requires such patient and long serving love. Um, and yet that's the only thing that changes things yeah. you know like and it's only by pe- people being involved in your story and, and hearing your story and experiencing the story that you like write together that that it actually changes theirs and mm-hmm. um, so uh, it, I, I think people think they're doing a lot of good on the internet sometimes when actually what they need to be is 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 engaged in a deeper level of sharing of life um, if they really want to achieve those goals yeah. my chest is so tight right now because yeah. i'm just thinking about my brother right and it's like uh-huh. i've i've taken this because they live so far away Mm. Um, I, I'm, mm. I get enormous anxiety from phone calls, so it's pretty much only online communication. <laughs> I, I chose to just be like, okay, we're never going to talk about these things. These are aspects like we are, are we disagree about so many things that I'm just going to mm. pretend that part doesn't exist. Mm. We will uh, converse mm-hmm. uh, casually about his daughters. You know, I'll send him a drawing from time to time, like, oh, here's a movie link or something. But let's never mm-hmm. go into these things mm. because it's it's never productive. Mm. You know, okay. and it, it mm-hmm. if it it's a genuine cop out. Like he's my brother, and mm. I've decided to write off a giant chunk of our relationship mm. because I see no hope there. Right. Instead of engaging more directly with him and, and taking the time to listen to him and, and, and speak my truths yeah. to him. Yeah. I, I know it can get really frustrating when it comes to like certain issues, but I feel like disagreement in general is part of like what makes us different in some ways. Like where we have different mm-hmm. opinions, we have different thoughts and, and I, I, I'm, I really love, but like love sitting down with people, like no matter the opinion and just talking about things. Cause you kind of, even though you don't get to a solution right away, you feel like you're kind of crossing the bridge, seeing what's going on there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then going back to yourself mm-hmm. and saying like, Oh, I'm like this. He's like that. And it's kind of, it's, it's like this curiosity also 
like that you have towards like how other people operate and mm -hmm. it's kind of like okay that's fed and i don't know yeah yeah i think you're right that like a certain amount of like mm -hmm. discourse is really helpful right like having having the ability to have these arguments and have mm -hmm. these discussions with people is super super helpful mm -hmm. like just in terms of mm -hmm. i mean i think it teaches you empathy right yeah. You yeah. get better at it the more empathy you develop, mm -hmm. but like you have to start from a place of no empathy, learning empathy, right? Yeah. And like having arguments is a really good way to do that because it sort of forces you to like hear that other opinions exist at least and then figure out how to process them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think it's also important as well that like uh, that when people hold viewpoints that we disagree with, even if we disagree with the conclusions that they've come to, there might be things within their decision-making process that are values that we actually mm -hmm. share, but we just believe that they work themselves out differently. So, okay, this is going to be a... I'm hoping I can pull this example together um, <laughs> because it links back into um, things that we've we've said already. But one of the things we were talking about, Kate, when you were talking about lying growing mm -hmm. up, I was thinking about actually, I didn't... I didn't so much lie, but one of the things that I would do is that whenever I made a mistake or whenever I was in the wrong, I would find a way to explain why I did that as a result of my story. And that was all fine. Like they were all like, they were all, but basically I was using elements of my story as excuses that denied my responsibility in a situation rather than reasons by which I could understand myself and then change. Mm -hmm. And I, and I do find like, I, I tend to move in the more, I tend to lean more to the left than to the right. And, um, uh, and in, and one of the big values that there seems to be on the right when it's expressed well is like people taking responsibility for their own lives. Um, and one of the things that I see on the left a little bit is that people can be so consumed with their own stories that they view everything that every bit of opposite, they, they can, we can, sorry, not they, we can tend to see things within our lives as being like, well, this happened to me and therefore this is a reason why I'm not responsible for this or why I don't have to do this or why I'm exempt from this. And I, and I, I was actually having a conversation with a student the other night and he and I radically di di disagree um, uh, uh, about politics, about about economics, about the way in which we should structure our societies. But he's a student in my church, and I really deeply care about him. So we were just having dinner and sharing life together. But I was finding myself being challenged about this in our conversation with him. That even though I want to convince him about other things, I was like, actually, this idea of taking responsibility for myself has been the thing that's kept me going because I've had to realize, yeah, I've had some horrendous moments in my story. But the fact that those are there doesn't mean that, like, that, like I can still, I, I don't want to. How do I, how do I put this? They don't become an excuse for me to just disengage from the autonomy mm -hmm. I have uh, and the uh, over my own mm -hmm. life to say, well, I can either get past this or I cannot. I can either keep fighting or I can just give up. Mm -hmm. Like, but at the end of the day, no one can make that decision except me. And so I was like, well, there's something within his value system that even though I don't like the way it expresses itself, actually, I've learned from it and it's challenged me in a good way. And I think sometimes we can rehumanize people after dehumanizing them mm -hmm. by finding the, the nuggets of goodness within arguments that we generally consider to be garbage um, and applying them to our own life, implying them to, them to our own mm -hmm. lives. And it helps us empathize better and appreciate where they're coming from, even if we don't come to the same conclusions with the same data set. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. I had um, I had an argument last week or two weeks ago with a friend of mine who we were just at dinner with another friend and this guy said something to the effect of, I don't like the word feminism. And I was like, okay, here we go. Uh, and like, you know, me, me and the other guy, you know, it was funny. Cause like the, the guy that said this was across the table. And then on my side of the table was a guy who agreed with me that like feminism is important right? Um, because duh. And, and we, me and the other guy kind of look at each other and then we're like, all right, yeah, we're doing this. And we, <laughs> we started just tearing into this guy and like, 
you know, asking him like why he doesn't like the word feminism and then tearing apart all of his ideas around that. And then eventually, like eventually my buddy who like agreed with me had to leave because uh, he, he needed to be somewhere in a couple minutes. And so he left me one on one with this dude. And as I was one on one with this guy, I started gradually realizing that like by tearing into him for for his like opinion, I was really hurting him. And I, at some point I was like, hey, I'm really sorry. This is not the right way to be doing this. Uh-huh, yeah. And and I had to sort of work back and be like, OK, let's start from what you said initially and like and talk about like where the problematic part comes in with that. And it got to a point where by the end of it, I was like, OK, I hear what you're saying. I disagree with you, but I can like basically what it came down to was that he didn't feel like he was doing a good enough job of being a feminist to call himself a feminist. Wow. Okay. And that's and, a big difference. Right? From what, yeah. that's, that's a huge yeah. difference from what I initially understood, which was yeah. I don't call myself a feminist because I think being a feminist is stupid. That is not what he was saying. Right. Yeah, but that's yeah. what we heard. And, and because we, you know, at the end of, I think it was like an hour long conversation at the end of it, I was like, okay, you don't call yourself a feminist because you think you don't deserve to. That's a very different, yeah. like, mm. yeah. And, and I think that it's sometimes it can be really important to like stop and, and really figure out what's at the heart of what someone is saying. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, like the, the mm. words got used, the dehumanizing them. Yeah. Mm. Like if an, uh, you hear an opinion and then all of a sudden, almost as if it was like a CG transformation, they're a monster. Right. And you're, a, you're, you're defending yourself against this monster. Mm. It's no longer a person in front of you. And it's, it's, and I, it's like, I keep coming back to my brother. It's, uh, <laughs> it's like, he's my blood. And yet I, there's this wall that goes up immediately because of an opinion, mm-hmm. despite the, the, mm broad spectrum of who that person is yeah it's crazy yeah at one of the events that i did this year um i try to be really involved with the uh, societies on campus we have about 80 societies on campus and they vary from like the medical student society to the islamic society to the christian union to the law society the literary and historical society the harry potter society and the philosophy <laughs> society like there's this amazing breadth of people who gather around these different interests and it's brilliant because it draws people from all these different academic streams into doing community together from all different faculties and 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 scopes of study but the philosophy society had this horrible thing happen in where like basically they had to cancel an event and um, they had to cancel their speaker for an event rather and and they needed somebody to step in quickly and they gave me about 48 hours and they said can you do something on like kindness or one of those christian things about? And i was like yeah i'm not uh, thanks lads um but I, I get on really really well with the guys and we've been in a lot of conversations about like um uh, uh ideologies that are developing in the world in which we live at the moment and, and how we engage with them and and i had been studying jordan peterson and um mm. found his work to be deeply problematic um and 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 I, I and so I decided to do. I gave myself forty eight hours to like to consume about twenty hours of his content, and then present a lecture on my thoughts on his work. And one of the things that I came back with was like. I was going to call it the problem with Peterson, but then I realized that I was setting up a binary system where I just say he's completely wrong mm-hmm. and I'm completely right and this is how. Um, and so instead, I, I I called it pushing back on Peterson, and I made and I made sure that within the lecture I tried to acknowledge the ideas that I actually felt were positive within the massive scope of the things that he does. Um, and so I, I I I tried to line up where I agreed with him and why on certain points, and then to pull apart with other areas where our v- views diverged. 
but rather in, than setting him up as a monster that I was slaying, because every time we do that, we make ourselves a hero in a story, mm-hmm. rather than embracing the, the messy truth in life that most of us are probably both wrong in all arguments, um, at least to one extent or another. Um, but the, but the, the dialogue is still worth it because it teaches... Because it's how it because it's also the only way that we learn. Um, so, um, but what, that was one of the things coming into it that I really learned was that like for those who are Peterson fans, they found themselves more willing to engage and engage in conversation afterwards. Yeah. And for those who were against him, they found themselves going, "Oh well, you know, I wanted you to rail on him." And it's like, well, maybe I'm not here to satisfy that urge within yeah. you, and maybe you shouldn't try to satisfy it either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is a an urge. Like I have a a really stupid. <laughs> Uh, Trump Google search obsession. Uh, I, I compulsively search Trump on my phone uh, like 50 times a day. It's it's bad. And I was talking to a friend yesterday and uh, he highlighted, and it's a concept I've heard before in my self-help books, um, but that because I, I undervalue myself so much, like I don't, I don't think I have a lot of worth, I'm looking for those moments to be like, oh, I'm not so bad. Hmm. And mm. Trump is the ultimate, I'm not so bad. Like mm. he's that big monster that I can be like, oh, I'm better than him. That gives me that little that little jolt of, of positivity on my mm. end. Um, and re- yeah, recognizing that those, those urges to like, I want to be better than, the, I want to be seen as better than this person mm-hmm. rather than mm. I'm actually listening to what the person is saying. Mm-hmm. Very different things. Mm. Yeah. Which, which is also really interesting because it acknowledges it acknowledges a subconscious worldview that you're perpetuating in doing that by saying that victory is when I am better than those I have considered others Mm -hmm. rather than victory is when our society is better. Mm. Mm -hmm. Damn. And and I think that's where like a lot of our identity work really needs to come into it in the conversations that we have about how we actually define victory and success. Because Because me showing other people to be fools just makes me feel good and them feel worse, yeah. which most likely makes them more ardent supporters of the toxic thing I think that they support and less likely to engage with me in future. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I have so much to think about, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I've developed like a strategy when, whenever I find like there's a tension between me and someone because like opposite views. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to forget about it. But then we have this this point and like the relationship where we're gonna like an hour where where we sit and talk we put our relationship aside and we just like talk about our views Mm -hmm. and then after the the discussion Mm -hmm. is done break it's just the relationship now it's so tough it's Mm -hmm. so tough to do but once you manage to like separate these two Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of like you get it out in a way like i said what i had to say i got my point across he did too Mm -hmm. or she Mm -hmm. did too and let's move on with our lives yeah you know I think that's really, it's important to be able to like, I think especially right after having something intense like that, Mm -hmm. you need to take that moment to be like, okay, we just yelled at each other for an hour. Let's like, let's remember why we're friends now. Yeah. Because otherwise like, yeah, you do Mm -hmm. go home from that conversation. Otherwise feeling like, oh shit, like I don't know if I'm friends with this person anymore. Like, yeah. Like when I, when I had that argument with my friend about feminism a couple Mm -hmm. weeks ago, like afterward, we just like ended up talking about like medical things and like, it was just really fun. Like, I mean, I'm not that into medical things but i had a question for him and he's a med student it was, yeah and and it was it was this nice like we we came down from that intensity right and came back down to like like casual and fun and friendly and then like you know when i went home that night i didn't think i hate that dude <laughs> which might have happened if we had yeah, like just yeah. ended with the intense mm-hmm. argument you know like yeah, yeah. you have to let mm-hmm. yourself kind of calm down and be yeah. with the person again 
Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like Scott was yeah. saying about the fact that it, it might take years right. for the different opinions to balance out. Like mm-hmm. I often fall into that trap of, of like, oh, this conversation is going to determine yeah. how each of us feels about right. this thing. And that just can't happen. You're basically just trying to maybe open a couple doors mm-hmm. and then you can revisit, if mm-hmm. anything, later on. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's especially hard for those of us with like social anxiety of any kind, right? Because then you you have that extra little voice in your head yeah. that says yeah. like, "Oh no, my brother's going to hate me now because I don't agree with him about this." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, Eli, just going back to what you were saying yeah. there, I think one of the really thing, one of the really healthy principles within that is that like, um, is that because we fear disagreement and fear conflict so much, sometimes we refuse to name things, mm-hmm. and so instead of being able to actually set aside the time for that dialogue, that is very very difficult. Like when we like instead of doing that we allow the pressure to build up and then we allow ourselves to basically do the like the slow the slow leaving Mm -hmm. like you know where we just allow ourselves to to gradually um uh you know distance ourselves from our person until we eventually are no longer connected to them anymore Mm -hmm. and as much as there are times in our lives where that might be a healthy thing there is something really sad about Mm -hmm. that that by that because of my fear of naming something I'm a, I'm prepared to lose the relationship because of my fear of the difficult conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if if conversations are worth having, sorry. Uh, oh, Scott, uh, this is going to be a real point of tension in our relationship. <laughs> Discuss. <laughs> well, Tom, I, I I thank you for naming. Um, I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I think that, I think releasing that tension allows us to hit the reset button on our relationships with people, and that's so so healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I I've had like. We're going to need to wrap up in a couple of minutes, but I've had this like weighing on me for like half this episode Um, earlier when I was giving the example of like, you know, things that are life or death versus things that are not. You're absolutely right that like I hadn't even really considered the way that like systemic oppression Mm. of, you know, the LGBT community and also just people groups in general does kind of lead to higher suicide rates and uh yeah I, i've just been sitting here for most of this conversation since then feeling that kind of like weighing on me and being like yeah no that that's that's true you should probably acknowledge that so i want to yeah apologize for not you know thinking that initially because well, that's absolutely true I, 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 I do think though the example that you were giving like you were talking about something that is it, Im, Im, more immediate sure. do you know what I mean like as in I, I understand that there is a there the, I understand that I understood the point that you were mm-hmm. making um and I don't and I don't think and I, I think if I'd railed at you over it or something like that that would have been unfair but I just wanted to 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 include that as well but it, I didn't mean that as a critique of your no views. no absolutely I I, yeah. I knew I knew what you meant uh, it, mostly I just feel dumb for not you know, instead of using those two actual big things, I could have said gun control versus whether or not you like the movie Whiplash, which would have been a much, you know, <laughs> like, it, yeah. It, so anyway. that, that would have been a better. Answer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, yeah. that that brings us to the end of our show for this week. Um, Scott, thank you so much for joining us. This was super fun and really yes. like yeah. deep. And I think people will get a lot out of it. It was my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. And uh, give me a shout whenever you want to. Uh, if you ever need an uh, an Irish person's perspective on something I'm happy to come back to. Awesome. No idea why we would, but I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> and the shade returns. Yeah. No, we'll, we'll definitely... That's the perfect note. We'll definitely have to have you back because Simon was originally supposed to be on this episode and then because of the scheduling conflicts, he wasn't able to make it and I think oh, it would be really no. nice to, to do that again sometime. So 
We'll get you back. Absolutely. Tell them I said hi. Yeah, will do. Uh, guys, remember, you can rate and review the show on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. We've got a new episode of our ongoing Jeopardy series that's just been sitting over on our Patreon, waiting and waiting for a little while now, uh, with Stefan Speck, Anthony Asaf, and David Hall. And when we reach 40 Stitcher reviews, 500 likes on our Facebook page, or 350 Twitter followers, all of which we're pretty close to doing, we will release this bonus episode. So go make that happen. Uh, you can share this episode with a friend who maybe you recently had an argument with. Yeah. That seems like a good idea. <laughs> um, also, maybe... Try not to do that in a passive-aggressive way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe use this as a way to apologize for like intense, heated words or as a way to invite mm. discourse. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at Down With Talking and each of us individually. I'm at Tom Zalatni. At Eli Boussole. At Red Random. At Not Scott Evans. There we go. And uh, does anyone have anything to plug today while we're here? I, I'm going to plug my podcast. Do mm-hmm. it. Absolutely. Listen to, the, listen to the Graveyard Shift. It's actually way less intense than it was on this. And the our most recent episode was called The One with the Ice Cream Van because <laughs> you literally hear an ice cream truck come down the road playing its music and we stop recording and go get ice cream and then get heckled by children. Um, It was rather amusing. Uh, But yeah, if you're into conversations about um, faith and um, the 21st century, particularly like looking at the healthy and toxic versions of Christianity in the world today, and that's one of the things that we talk about uh, a lot on our show as people who are engaged in like building Christian communities, but trying to do it in a way that doesn't absolutely suck. So uh, yeah, if people are interested in that kind of thing, you can listen to The Graveyard Shift, which is at gr shift on twitter and there's a link to it in my bio on my twitter profile as well great uh and special thanks to crackers and jam for letting us use the title track off their ep benson as our theme music you can find all their music for sale at crackersandjam.bandcamp.com this show is produced and edited by me tom zalatni for the upford network you can find out about all our great shows at upfordnetwork.com and remember to click the uh, campaign link in the description of this episode if you liked this uh throw us a little bit of money so that we can build a proper sound booth because i'm having a baby in october and those are loud and if we don't don't build a sound booth you're gonna have to hear it all the time i'll bring it into the studio during recordings just to punish you for not donating to our campaign so unless you want that to happen go make a donation and help us reach our goal <laughs> scott thanks again enjoy yes. your vacation thanks, my pleasure lovely to meet you guys <laughs> have a good one say hi to christina will do cool. bye bye yeah. bye